G'day friends, welcome or welcome back to the Inner Voice podcast. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie, and this is the latest edition of the I'm Curious to Know project. I'm pleased to welcome Colleen Quigley, affectionately known as Steeple Squigs. She's a US Olympic steeplechaser and has become a fan favorite for her running ability as well as her engaging and entertaining social media presence. Today, we discuss how she's dealing with the postponement of the Olympics and other major competitions and the importance of keeping a rhythm throughout the year to ensure she'll be ready to race again once the time comes. We also discuss her love for cooking and how that was fostered from an early age. I also learned the origins of her hashtag Fast Friday campaign, which is a symbol of strength and empowerment for women of all ages. Colleen is a true pro and we had some great banter and a few laughs in this one as well. I look forward to welcoming Steeple Squigs back on the show sometime in the future. Thanks to you for being here. I hope you enjoy the show. Colleen, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 23 days straight. That's that's a good streak. It feels like a little bit like a training plan. You know, there's days yeah. where you're like, oh my goodness, the last thing I feel like doing is doing this uh, and you get it done and you get a lot out of it and you build momentum right. and you build confidence in the process. So I'm excited to look back at the end of this and look at the body of work and the yeah. amazing people that I've been able to connect with. It's like lacing up your shoes and getting out the door. You just have to press start. Now, tell me about your situation where you're up in Utah. This is a regular occurrence for you, um, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule given the current circumstances. But um, how are you guys managing your time during this lockdown? And, and tell yeah. me about where you're at right now. Yeah, so just about a week ago, last Sunday, Kevin and I, my boyfriend and I, um, packed up the car and with the dog and everything. Pies around here somewhere. I'm surprised she's not getting in my lap and wanting to know what's going on. But uh, we have a 70 pound Bernie's pound dog. Well, and uh, she's about a year and a half. She's still very much a puppy. She sat on my lap most of the drive uh, <laughs> from Portland to Park City, which is like 12 hours. Um, we, we packed up the car and came out here. Um, staying in a cabin uh, in the top, at the top of a mountain at 8,000 feet of altitude. Um, we're going to be training here for five weeks. This is kind of the closest we could get to like a normal you know, routine that we would normally be doing at this time of the year. Um, Normally we'd come out of that five weeks and have like a big race, like USA champs or the pre-fronting classic, you know, something that you're training towards all, you know, all those five weeks, like working towards. And we don't really have anything at the end of this that we're gearing up towards. So that's a little bit weird. Um, I think worst case scenario, we'll probably just do a like time trial. It's very interesting that you're you're trying to keep that, you know, routine and normal schedule. Some of the athletes I've talked to over this month has been, you know, using it as an extended off season or using it as an opportunity to work on some weaknesses or Mm -hmm. uh, build strength in other areas. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of kind of uh, when we went on stay at home and orders and in Portland and we weren't allowed to meet as a group anymore and have practice anymore, we noticed that our coach kind of put us back into like our fall training routine where we were doing like like speed endurance on Tuesdays and then Fridays was like long tempos or a bunch of mile repeats with short recovery, um, which is more stuff that we would do in the fall. Right. It was like base training. Um, yeah. And so I think that was smart to take us back to that because it was like, hey, we we can't be like 
priming ourselves for a race right now. Um, there's no races to be had for a while. And then, you know, we're going to get to a peak and you can only hold a peak for so long. So, okay, let's take a step back and kind of go back to more of a base building phase. And then when we know, when we have a better sense of when we're going to be able to get on the starting line again, then we'll kind of like ramp up. And so we did, yeah, we definitely did make some adjustments and obviously we weren't able to get in the gym. And so we were trying to do um, strength work as much as we can from our living rooms and um, yeah. a bunch of us got uh, USA track and field actually was awesome and they gave us all if you're a tiered athlete you got a stipend to spend on gym equipment if if you could find any online um, yeah. it was, everything was like sold out like immediately but now I feel like we're like okay we're, we did this like base phase but we want to kind of keep the schedule as normal as normal as possible through the rest of the summer because our bodies are just I mean we're you know, fine-tuned machines. And so I think if we get too much off of our normal, like, ebb and flow of the year, then things just start to kind of, like, go off the rails. It's interesting. It's it's cool to hear you explain why the why behind that, and, and it makes a yeah. total amount of sense. I wonder how that, um, the motivation, how do you keep that motivation, knowing that you're not really racing? And I know this about yeah. you enough to know that you're a competitor and you love standing yeah. on the starting line and, and, and pushing yourself to the limit with other girls around you. Totally. Yeah. A lot of people have been asking me that. How do you find the motivation? But I think there's a lot of good that can come from a time away from competition. Like I've just been thinking a lot about like if I could never race again, if I could never, someone told me never get on the starting line, would I still wake up every morning and do my run and like go mm. to the gym and like be active? Yeah. Like I, I definitely would. I just love what I do so much. I love running. I love the sport. So I would do it regardless. Now that intensity of like being able to bring that extra, that's where the racing part is and like why you um, have to have like a, a carrot, you know, that you're like chasing after. Um, yeah. But I think that's where like your teammates come in and we, we weren't allowed to, you know, meet as a big group, but I had two training partners for my team and we would meet in a group of three and do our workouts together even if it was just one person to accountability to say hey we're going to meet at the track at 9 a.m and we're doing this workout the coach sent us over text um and it's not going to be like glamorous or anything but i'm going to be there at that time you're going to be there we're going to knock this out together i was telling people even if you have someone in your house that can't run with you if they can get on a bike with you that would be great just have someone to kind of keep you accountable you mentioned your teammates and you've expressed um, in many different forms how important they are to you how have you outside of you know that group of three getting together how have you all kind of stayed in touch and supported each other and kept yeah. each other going through this period i mean i don't know what people did before like zoom and social media <laughs> like how did people like, stay connected i mean you we had wrote letters we write letters <laughs> yeah that would take forever though <laughs> um yeah thank god for zoom we did some zoom happy hours which was really fun and we sometimes go to each other's houses but honestly we normally just see each other at practice like on runs mm -hmm. and at the track and stuff so it was fun to be on zoom and see people in their houses with their significant others you're on your phone and you're just making dinner so when you're in the kitchen you got your phone set up and we're all talking so we'd be like what are you having for dinner like what are you cooking and um yeah it was just that was kind of 
cool and different and it was cool to see how people adapted to that and I actually was doing a lot of Zoom calls with, uh, it's kind of slowed down now, but I was at the right, right at the beginning um, and up until like a couple weeks ago, I was getting a lot of requests from high school and college teams who were, they do like normal Zoom calls once a week as a team and they asked me to come on and say hi. and. Um, so I was scheduling like 15, I was giving each team 15 minutes and I would schedule them every 15 minutes so that I, I had to be like, I got to go to my next call, you know, yeah. and I would do that for like a couple hours in the afternoon on one or two days a week. Yeah. It's really cool to hear that you were doing that. I had Brenda Martinez on the show earlier in the month and she's been doing those type of zoom calls Definitely. and checking in with high school teams. And like, you know, she has her, um, her summer camp with the girls. So what were you able to take away from those yeah. calls that you were making? I think it was just cool to see, like, you know, you, I don't know when I, I talked to one person from the team, like the captain or maybe sometimes the coach or just one of the, you know, one of the kids on the team will send me a DM or an email and they're the, they're my contact person. And I only, you know, I only speak with them and they send me a link. And so that 3.15, I hit the link and it pops up on Zoom and I have no idea. Like, I have no idea how many people are going to be there. Sometimes I like can't remember if they said they're in high school or college. I just have the schedule set up and it says 3.15 Zoom Stephanie. And there, there's the link and all I know is Stephanie's going to be on there. And it yeah. pops up and sometimes there's like 40 people on the Zoom. And you're like, whoa, this is a huge team like this is so cool and there's guys and girls and they got sprinters and the distance runners and like everyone's on there and they got a couple coaches and then sometimes I hit the link and I'd be like four people on there <laughs> it's like you know four high school girls and you know that they have a small team and they're from a small town and whatever um, but it was just cool to see like those different communities and how they were uh, supporting each other and just like yeah we do this twice a week or whatever and yeah. you know usually we do a workout or something and so I'd, I'd be like all right well like or one team had um they do push-ups together and as a team they do them every day and then they meet as a zoom uh they meet on a zoom call and they do the push-ups together i think twice a week and so i did push-ups with them we we did the, i was like who hasn't done their push-ups yet so we did push-ups um but i just think that community aspect and realizing that even if you can't see each other every day you're still a team yeah. they still got your back you talked about cooking i know that you've uh, rolled out your your chef whites and your uh, <laughs> segment chef colleen tell me about that is, has cooking always been something that you've kind of loved and you're leaning into it more now or is it just this brand new passion that you have yeah oh my gosh i had the most fun being chef colleen on mother's day i don't know if you saw this but i um asked my mom to do an instagram live with me on mother's day i asked her like probably a week or two in advance uh, just to see if she'd be open to it and i remember she was like uh sure like she wasn't gonna say no to me but she also was kind of like Eh, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, come on, it'll be fun. And we can make scones, which is one of her favorite things. Um, both my parents taught me love for food, but my mom definitely is uh, more of a baker and my dad's more of a chef. Um, and we made scones on Instagram Live. And it was just so fun because, yeah, I don't you normally like spend Mother's Day with my mom. I'm always training in May. And so it wasn't like, oh, I'm usually home right now and I'm not home. Um, I usually just send, you know, a present and flowers or card or whatever. And I, you know, talk to her on the phone, but this was 
so much more special to be like mm-hmm. be able to share that with her and sh- i feel like i was sharing my mom with everyone else and she was showing us like oh here's my homemade kombucha that i made and then oh let's uh, while the scones are baking i'll take you guys outside to see our chickens in the backyard and here's my garden with all the vegetables i'm growing and oh our new project at the quigley house is we have a hive of bees in the backyard <laughs> just like this is crazy <laughs> But it was so cool and it was like, yeah, that's how I grew up. Like that is where I'm from and that is why I eat the way that I do and I see nutrition the way that I do. And we lived in the city of St. Louis. We did not live on a farm in like, you know, rural Missouri. We were five minutes from downtown St. Louis. They just always had, you know, a garden with vegetables growing that we would pick things and chop them and, you know, Mm -hmm. saute them. I think like the most like normal thing we did was like Friday nights, we'd do frozen pizza and, and do movie night. And we would get to eat pizza in the living room on the couch. But other than that, it was like, yeah, my parents, we didn't do like, I don't know, you know, TV dinners. Yeah, lunch bowls are like, or like pop tarts, but a normal mm-hmm. people eat, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't do that kind of stuff. We, we really um, focused on like a whole foods diet. Um, and I think I got to college and you know, realized cooking for myself and stuff and with, with roommates, I realized like, oh yeah, not everyone really like knows how Especially to like, like I made pancakes from scratch, like not from a mix. And my my friends were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm making pancakes. They're like, where's the box? <laughs> Little things like that. Um, but it really gave me appreciation for it. It reminded me when I did that uh, Mother's Day Instagram with my mom, I was like, yeah, this is, this is so cool. And I, now I, I'm so proud of it. I remember being very embarrassed by that when I was younger and I just wanted to be like everyone else. You know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to be like normal. I studied nutrition in college. So I think yeah. that definitely shaped a lot of the choices that I've made. I remember you talking about being uh, or, or planning to be a dietitian. So if yeah. running didn't work out, you wanted to be a dietitian. Is that still a plan? You know, is that still in, in yeah. your you do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, so I went into, I went to Florida State and I went into school not having any intentions of running after college. Um, I barely went to college. I thought I was going to go move to New York and become famous as a model after I graduated high school. So I went into college being like, oh, I'll get a free education and, you know, run in the NCAA for four years and, you know, go to school for free. Like, that's cool. And then I'll, you know, I have to figure out what I want to do after school while I'm in school, like a normal person does. Um, And so I studied dietetics with the intention of, like, you have to do a four-year undergrad and then you take an exam and then you pass, or sorry, and then you do a one-year internship and then you take an exam. You pass the exam, you're a registered dietitian. The likelihood of me going back and doing like the one-year internship either in a hospital or you can do this at a university it's pretty i mean at this point pretty low um just because now i'm thinking 2024 like 2028 mm-hmm. you know i don't know how long i'm gonna go but i still want to like stay connected with dietetics in some way whether that's just like I mean, there's still some things you can do without being a, an RD, a registered dietitian, but it's it's more relying on, like, I use this in my life every day, and, like, this is more yeah. like personal experience and what I've learned. To me, it seems like the kind of the, the registered dietitian piece of it would be more clinical. So it's working in yeah. hospitals or it's working with, you know, people who need more... Yeah, clinic or, yeah, school. Whereas, whereas what you've done is you've put your nutrition understanding of nutrition and fueling and 
what what have you into practice as an athlete so there's legitimacy there so don't worry about that having to have (laughs) see you've got it I think so and I mean people ask me for nutrition advice all the time like even my aunt yesterday was calling me about she wanted my recipe for granola and she was like but I can't make it with any nuts because my cousin is allergic to peanuts and I was like okay like Mm -hmm. I can you know I can whip you up a, a recipe version that has other stuff in it that would still be you know, really satisfying and satiating without nuts. I was like, okay, the seeds, like, I'll, I'll whip it up, I'll send it to you. She's like, oh, yeah, and while you're doing that, um, can you do, like, a whole nutrition plan for me for, like, what I should eat for breakfast and lunch and, like, snack and dinner, and, like, every day for, like, a month? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> no, I can't do that for you. It makes me laugh, but it's like, yeah, like, there are people – that want yeah. that they just want someone to tell them what to do they're just like yeah. i don't know what to do and i just need a plan like i need a coach mm-hmm. um the same way someone would need help with running they're like yeah i know how to run and like technically i kind of like know how to do workouts i just want someone to tell me what workouts to do and what day and what paces and how much recovery to take and when to take a day off i don't want to think about it i just want a coach yeah. to tell me what to do yeah. so you know who knows down the road something like that could be um, a possibility. And I think that could be cool because it would be, um, pretty flexible if I, you know, had a family at that point or was, you know, traveling or whatever, it could be a flexible job. I like your aunt's audacity. That's like a classic. <laughs> yeah. Just give me this one thing. And then by the way, while you're doing it, I need this. She's like, what's your, like, slip in it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a pretty big ask. Cause she's like in your spare time. <laughs> Um, you have made an impact with Chef Colleen. I had a couple of my chef friends actually, um, one in oh, particular, good. Jeff Mayen, who's got a whole bunch of restaurants. He's got, you know, some of the best restaurants. Oh my in gosh. It. He sent me a note. He's like, do you know this lady? Do you know Colleen? And I'm like, yeah, I, well, I know her somewhat. We've done a story on her. So <laughs> Absolutely. He's, uh, he's impressed with, uh, with your work. So. Oh my gosh. Well, I, you have to give me his contact information because most recently um, I started reaching out on Instagram to some of the um, food accounts that I follow um, asking if they would be willing to do like a live with me where like these are real chefs. So I'm like, yeah. I'll put on my little apron and says Chef Colleen, but like, I don't know a real chef. I was like, you, <laughs> you should put me through uh, a recipe. Like we cook one of your favorite recipes together and you show me how to yeah. do it. But so far I have a hit rate of zero. <laughs> so what is if, wrong with these people? I don't know. <laughs> so if you want, I mean, I'm kind of shooting for the stars a little bit. Maybe I should, um, uh, but if you have a personal connection, that would be amazing. Yeah. I have done a couple of fun um, food wars. There's another Team USA athlete who I'm obsessed with, <laughs> Kate plus Faith, Kate Courtney, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the MTV um, yeah, cyclist. And so she and I have been doing a couple of food wars. Our first one was a salad war, and then our second one was a taco war. And next up, we're going to have to do a dessert war. I think we're going to do like cookies or something. Yeah. Um, but we both, the idea is that we both make, you know, our, our entree or whatever, and then we get pictures of them and they have the fans decide on which one they think looks better. Well, so here's an idea that I had. Um, so chef, um, Jeff, chef, Jeff, one of the brains behind, um, chef cycle. So he's a big cyclist. They start oh, cool. a ride called chef cycle. It raises money for no kid hungry. So you guys should get together, do a cook off and we'll do it as a fundraiser for, for no kid hungry. That'd be amazing. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, talk to me about social media. You're doing an amazing job of engaging with fans. You've got great ideas. You're working with Kate Courtney. You've started Fast Parade Friday. All of these things that, that are engaging. Sure. Yeah, it's funny because so when I first went pro, I 
you know, you, you graduate college and you're trying to figure everything out. You're trying to find a coach and a team and a sponsor and you have to find an agent and you're like, this is so weird. And so I ended up, I was like, I don't really care about the agent or really the sponsor that much. Like I just want to find a coach and a team that I, you know, I think I can be successful with and I can enjoy um, spending time with. And so that was for me, that was the Bowerman Track Club and Coach Schumacher and Coach Pascal Dober. I was like, this is the squad for me, you know. Um, and so then I had my parents help me figure out an agent. I was like, they're all the same. I don't really care. Like, you know, whatever. And then the agent helped me get a, a sponsor. Um, and it turned out that the agent that I chose just wasn't the right fit for me. Like he is kind of a more traditional, um, no offense, Travis, but like, you know, white dude who like had just been in this for a while and like was a little bit out of touch with like a young girl who was like into social media and like wanted to build a fan base and wanted to interact and be more than just a runner, like mm -hmm. um, more than an athlete as the uninterrupted saying goes. We parted ways after a couple of years and I just wanted more, like I wanted more out of the relationship. I wanted more um, as an athlete. I wanted to use my voice in a bigger way and just be able to reach people and, you know, be work with brands that runners don't normally work with, you know, and um, do things just differently. And I think my agent was not the only agent in the field that um, of, of track agents who just didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> he was like, I don't have those connections. And also just wasn't interested. And he just like, seems to like too much work. And, you know, I just want to keep doing what I've been doing. And like, this is working for me. And so like, he just didn't want to make that change. Um, and so since then I've hired a PR company and I have, they're called Burt Communications. They're amazing. I have an agent who is in New York, uh, who's a female, and an agent in LA who's also a female. I don't know, they just get me and like they're excited about what I'm excited about and they get me cool interviews with like Pop Sugar and like, you know, these brands that are exciting and high energy and like fun <laughs> the way that I am. And it can be, you know, exhausting sometimes. It feels like a lot and I have to be like on all the time. And I have scheduled this live, like, you know, you're doing lives every day and sometimes I scheduled it and then the day comes and I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> but you gotta do it anyway, because you said you were going to. So sometimes it can be a lot, but I honestly think that more than anything, it, it fuels me and like makes me more excited for what I'm doing and gives me more purpose. Like I don't run just because I want to get a medal. I run because mm -hmm. there's some girls out there who bring their hair up on Fridays because they're following, you know, what I'm doing and um, they're cheering for me and they come to USA's um, in Des Moines, Iowa, like middle of nowhere to see me race. And they're like, I didn't even win and they still came out to see me race like and they wanted my autograph they didn't care that i was third they were like you're awesome you know uh, yeah they're like here to cheer on steeplesquakes so i was like are you sure like these girls are faster than me and they're like don't care like and that's so cool i don't know i think having that connection with people who um see something in you that like reminds them of themselves or inspires them or gets them excited um i mean that's why I'm in this sport, you know, that's why I'm doing this more than just like for the Olympics, you know, this is yeah. now it's okay. I've built this into a career. So how am I going to make that meaningful? How am I going to leave a legacy that's more than just like what I did on the track? It's, you know, yeah. how you made people feel and how you made a difference outside of just like winning medals, which I hope I do that too. I gave up personal listening a long time ago, but what I heard in there was 
I'm an old guy who's out of touch and you, <laughs> no, no. you had to force yourself to show up today. So that's what I took out of it. No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Interviews over. We're out of here. I'm walking off. <laughs> no, I've totally offended you. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. no. Um, I get it. I totally get it. I just wanted to bust your balls here a little bit. Um, oh, gosh. So tell me about uh, Fast Braid Friday. I, I see it as this really um, empowering catchphrase effectively but it, for yeah. you it started as you know you, you like braiding your hair you do it for big events big competitions big workouts uh and it caught on and now it's this empowerment piece that allows people to feel strong and confident and look their best and feel good and move well tell me about that like how it started and then the momentum that you've got around that movement i remember i just did this one instagram post of myself wearing a uh, just one single like French braid down the back of my head. And that's just a way I wear my hair a lot. I have really long hair and it gets tangled if, you know, if I um, just have it in a ponytail or whatever, especially if it's hot and humid outside. And I posted something about like, is originally it was French braid Friday. It said, is French braid Friday a thing? Hashtag French braid Friday a thing? Because it should totally be a thing. And it was just like funny. And some people uh, responded saying like, oh my God, yeah, totally. Like I do it too. And then uh, the next Friday, some people posted uh, in their stories with themselves in a French braid and tagged me in it. So like the next week I did another one. I was like, it's French braid Friday again. And I did another one. And I got more people tagging me in for the braids. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And so we just kept doing it. And then my teammate um, decided to troll me and made French bread Friday a thing. (laughs) (laughs) She posts every Friday a picture of herself holding French bread. (laughs) It was like French bread Friday. (laughs) Um, So we had fun with that for a little while, Uh, like a battle. And then a friend of mine, Alicia Montano, she's a Team USA athlete as well, and now she's got a couple kiddos. But anyway, she is an African-American athlete, and she, uh, you know, reached out to me and said, hey, I see what you're doing with the with the braid thing. And because I was posting, I'd repost people's braids, and people would post, you know, two braids, Dutch braids, cornrows, what have you. Like, I'd repost them all. It didn't have to be a French braid. And so she's like, hey, like, see what you're doing. But, you know, like when you post a picture of someone, especially if it was a white girl with like cornrows into a ponytail and you say French braid, that's Mm. kind of, that's not cool. Braids are a big part of our culture and, you know, calling them the right thing is an important thing. Like you can't call them French braids when they're cornrows. And I was like, "Uh, I'm so white. I'm so sorry. Like I didn't even think about it and it was stupid like I'm I need to educate myself and you know can you help me and can Mm -hmm. you educate me and she was like yeah you know I think the idea is great and the whole empowerment and creating community around something as simple as hair is really cool but there's has to be you know another way to do it where it's more inclusive I was like okay so but I really like the alliteration of French Braid Friday like I really like that so what are we gonna do and she said she's like I'll think about it and she came back to me a couple days she said couple days later she said how about fast braid friday and i was like oh my gosh it should have been that the whole time like it's perfect and it's just because the braids no matter what style they are no matter what where they come from or who's wearing them it's just all about how they make you feel if they Mm -hmm. make you feel confident if they make you feel powerful and strong and fast uh, just to stand on the starting line with your shoulders back and your head up and like i've trained hard i'm 
you know, I've done everything that I can do and I know my goals, I know my race plan and I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna execute. Sometimes that's a power, people use like ponytail. I wear so many different styles, like it's not one lucky style or anything. Uh, just yeah. part of the whole like getting ready process too before the race or before a workout, you know, in the morning you have your oatmeal and you do your makeup maybe and you do your hair and you put on your uniform and you make sure you have your spikes in and, you know, you pack your bag for the track and it's like all this preparation thing to get you yeah. like in the right mindset to, to go race. What a great like opportunity for you to, to connect yeah. with Alicia uh, and find out more about, you know, why. Yeah, I'm so grateful that she how. took the time to, yeah, like tell me, first of all, tell me, hey, like, you know, obviously she reached out and said that she was not the only one who was thinking that and like feeling yeah. maybe offended or slighted. And so, and I had no idea. I was just stepping on toes blatantly without, you know, any idea. So um, I was just really glad that she respected me enough to, you know, come to me and actually talk to me about it and, and offer, you know, offer her help in like finding a solution that was totally above and beyond. Now we had a, uh, a really thoughtful question come in from the audience here. We had Melanie Mitchell, who's a big fan of the show. She um, talked about the fact that there's no steeplechase at high school level. Um, how can uh, people potentially enter the sport? My idea here when I saw that question was there's obviously fundamentals. You're obviously running, you're working on your strength, you're working on a lot of those other fundamental aspects before you start to jump over things. But I'd love to hear your expert uh, opinion and advice on, on that question. Yeah, it's a great question, Melanie. Um, I did not do steeplechase in high school. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Some states now have steeplechase, or at least they have like some meets during the year where, where you can try it as a high schooler. I never jumped over a hurdle in my life until I got to Florida State and my head coach there um, said, you know, I think she looked at my like long legs and just like athletic body type and said, you know, I think you'd be a good steeplechaser. And so she brought on, um, Coach Terry Long, and he was um, a big time coach. He had retired, but he was still living in Tallahassee. He had coached like Kim Batten and Walter Dix. Um, some, you know, he had coached 400 meter hurdlers at a very elite level, and so he knew how to you know, hurdle properly. Mm. And we spent months just like going over technique and just getting drills down before he even allowed me to jump over a hurdle for the first time. So I think there's a lot of that that you could do in high school for, you know, as, as far as like hurdle walkovers, you set up, you know, six hurdles in a row and do hurdle walkovers and work on hip mobility and, and hip and glute strength. Um, I have a video on my Instagram TV of a trail leg drill um, that you can do with a chair in your living room if you want, um, or with a, you know, a hurdle at the track. And if you've never done it before, the next day your like glute snips will be pretty sore. Um, so it's, yeah, it's stuff like that that you could do, but also just like learning athleticism. Um, I played soccer and danced growing up. I actually didn't start running until freshman year of high school. A lot about what you do in dance is taking your teacher's, um, critiques like you need to turn out more or like lift your leg more your left leg needs to be out to the side more and you have to like take what they say and then understand it and conceptualize it but then also be able to make your body actually do that 
And it seems simple, but it can be really hard when you're, uh, it's the same thing when you're like learning how to hurdle and someone says, okay, you need to take off further away from the hurdle or you need to lean more into the hurdle or your trail leg needs to be more flat or your foot can't be above your knee. And you can conceptualize that. You're like, yes, okay, I'm going to take off earlier. Yes. And then you go <laughs> towards the hurdle and you take off at the same spot that you always do. And it's hard sometimes to take someone's a critique or advice and like actually make your body do that yeah just take care of those little things you're you know yes. you're, you don't need to be in a big rush it's hard when now i feel like high school kids are so good and so fast and you know it's so competitive and you're trying to get a scholarship but yeah i mean i just i was i was okay but i wasn't like you know i wasn't winning national titles or anything in high school so i think that progression can be slow and can be gradual and not need to be all at one time love it this has been amazing i do like to end the show with three questions that i ask sure. every day um yeah so i'm gonna throw it. these at you but um before we do i really really appreciate you making the time yeah i know thanks for having me this is awesome. um first question what's one thing that's changed for you during this lockdown isolation stay at home time that you want to keep once we go back to whatever the new phase of life is mm. Well, I don't know if it's possible, but um, so my boyfriend, Kevin, and I have been dating for over 10 years. We started dating in high school. I'm only 27, so um, we've been dating for a long time, and we have been long distance for like nine of those 10 years. So whenever I was in Florida, at Florida State, he went to Fordham in the Bronx, and then I moved out to Portland, and he moved to the West Coast too, but he moved to San Francisco, um, and since then, he has now moved to L.A., so we're still like I spend the fall with him. So this last fall I was in L.A. with him. But yeah, we do long distance. And so when this happened, he his company, he started a company um, in SF. And so they uh, decided to all work from home. They you know shut down their office and stuff. And he was like, well, you know, I'm just going to come to if we're going to be quarantined, like we're well quarantined together. So he packed up the car and, and the dog and drove to Portland. So we've been living before I came to Park City. We were in my 550 square foot studio apartment in Portland with me and Kevin and, and the dog and Kevin working from home and like pretty much me working from home. Um, and it was so madness, but it was really fun just to, we have spent so much time together and we don't, you know, normally get to do that. And normally it's like we call each other a few times a day or call him way home for practice or he calls me when he's getting coffee or something. And I would come home from practice and Pi would be at the door like, I missed you so much, you know, and, and we could have lunch together as like a little mini family. I don't think I can keep this for, I mean, he's going to have to eventually go back to work, but it's been super nice just spending more time together. I'm sure there's probably moments where you're like, hey, do you want to go back to LA or? Like <laughs> well, yeah, when he's like accusing me of not doing the dishes, it's actually been great. That's awesome. Which uh, is good, because if it was not great, I think we'd be, both be like, oh, damn, <laughs> there's 10 years down the train. Done for 10 years. <laughs> that would have been horrible. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's working out. That's good. Yeah, me too. Second question, what's one thing that you thought was important uh, before this lockdown isolation period that you're happy to leave in the past? There are certain things like, I think I can get my work done that we usually go to the gym to do. Um, in like half the time that I usually do it when we go to the gym and I, maybe that's part of it is because you get the social component of in there you go we go for a run together and then we like get a snack and go up to the gym we like stretch for a little bit and like you know just 
hang out and then maybe between reps people are you know bullshitting and stuff um so it takes takes a little longer i could probably do it in maybe not quite half the time but like maybe instead of an hour it takes me like 40 minutes to do gym and that's kind of nice and you have like 20 extra minutes to you know relax and um, eat lunch and do whatever check emails and stuff um so maybe just like being a little bit more efficient third question what's one what well what has been your most memorable moment of joy during this period of time there's so many great things about having a dog like i was thinking about it this morning because we woke up this morning so the first day we got to park city i ran in a sports bra Second day, it was like long sleeves and, a, and shorts. And then I ran in tights and long sleeves one day. Um, and then this morning we woke up and there's snow everywhere on the ground. <laughs> we were like, oh crap, it snowed last night. And the dog, my dog is a Bernese Mountain Dog. And I think she was like, we went, I went to take her for a walk. She woke up at 6.30 this morning. We went for a walk and she was like, I'm born for this. Like she just went berserk in the snow. Like she was just... It's all of her Instagrams. She has her own Instagram, so if anyone's interested in seeing this dog having the time of her life, she's at my favorite pie on Instagram. And she just was like, she's running in there and then she was like rolling around and just like pure joy. And there's been a lot of moments during quarantine where I take her to the dog park and she's loves just like rustling with other dogs, like just gnawing at each other's necks and like just having so much fun doing like I mean it's nothing right and she's mm -hmm. she doesn't care that it's quarantine and that you know people are out of work she's just like I don't care I'm in my life I'm happy it's simple like no stress nothing she's just always like that and I think that's such a good reminder for myself and for Kevin to just be like okay yeah like there are some things you know that are not great and I wish that we could have the Olympics right now and blah 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 but like you know, we eat dinner every night and we get to run and we get to be with each other. And, you know, like it's the simple things. It's just going to the dog park is like the best thing ever. If it snows, it's the best thing ever. And just getting to like get back to that, you know, simple joys. We have kids, we have two kids here and like just it's a similar feeling. Like they don't, yeah. Our daughter's three years old. She doesn't necessarily understand what's going on, but like just the little things. We've got her a little kitty pool here and she's like, having oh, yeah, stoked greatest thing ever this has been amazing i really appreciate your time i appreciate your energy yeah thank you we'll chat soon. all right talk to you soon now that's it for day 23 of the i'm curious to know project it's been an amazing three-week run so far and the final week is going to be incredible if you'd like to join the live show stop by the innervoice.life facebook page at 3 30 p.m eastern every day for the remainder of may look forward to bringing many more amazing guests and content your way Thanks for being here. I'm Travis McKenzie, and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.